Hi, I'm Sherry Davis, Canada's Dogmaster and the trainer of Rex on the hit TV series Hudson and Rex. This is How to Dog. <coughs> Each episode, someone like you calls in with a canine question. This week, we're looking at how to care for our dogs as they get older and even end up with arthritis, just like us. Hey, my name is Tom Chihak. I'm in, uh, in Colorado. I'm calling to ask you a question about um, canine arthritis. Uh, we had Bernice Mountain Dogs all our lives, and our latest we had to uh, recently put down at the age of 10. What's the best thing to do if uh, your dog is getting older and develops canine arthritis? Thanks for your call, Tom. It's always really hard to lose a pet, and maybe even worse when she's otherwise completely healthy. As most of us know, getting old sucks. If you're like me, you're going to find that many movements aren't as easy as they used to be. We have to start thinking more about taking care of our bodies, and it's the same for our dogs. Any of you with an aging dog will likely have noticed that they struggle a bit in the morning getting out of bed. Or maybe after they've been to the park, they're a little slower getting up. It almost looks like they have the same symptoms as we do. But do they really? What do we really know about what goes on as a dog becomes more senior? That's what we're here to find out today. I'm excited to learn more about canine aging. This is How to Dog. Hi, everyone. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and is not meant to be professional advice. Always consult with an expert when taking care of your own senior tail wagger. Over to you, Sherry. To get an overview on health problems facing older dogs, I called Dr. Faith Banks. She's a veterinarian and an expert in geriatric care for dogs. But she's so much more than that. She provides palliative care or end-of-life care for pets. And because it's often so difficult to get older pets moving or to get them to the vet, she actually makes house calls. There's a whole big population of older dogs and cats that are kind of stuck at home because whether it's mobility issues or the anxiety that they have or their owners have of taking them into the practice, and so they, they really wanted to learn how to care for them at home. And so I started my service, which is called Midtown Mobile Veterinary Hospice Services in Toronto. And when I started, it was just myself. And now um, we're a team of 10. So, wow. Um, Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. So we just go to people's homes. We don't have a standalone practice. And we have four amazing hospice care coordinators that speak to the clients and just coordinate with the regular clinic and us and, and just make sure that, um, you know, we are helping the people that need to be helped. What an amazing concept. This is fantastic. Yeah. As soon as I hear mobility with older dogs, my first thing that I think of would be arthritis. Um, you know, I know degenerative myelopathy, let's say. Some people can mistake that for 
something totally different. They could mistake it for a cancer or um, an arthritis or, you know, not realizing the diseases. But when I think of older animals and as as I am in my young years here, <laughs> you know, <laughs> arthritis is really a thing that not only humans have, but a, a lot of dogs experience it in their later ages. Absolutely. It, it's a big problem. And, you know, I can't tell you how many times, especially being in a clinic setting, um, you know, people would come in with their older labs, for example, and, and they would be sort of, you know, hobbling in a little bit. And, you know, we would try and tell them that there's there's pain there, there's likely arthritis. And they're like, no, 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 you know, he, he's not complaining at all. And you look at them and you think, well, look at the way he's walking, look at the way he's moving. It, it's a big, big problem. Um, it's a big problem in dogs and cats, but especially when we are dealing with large breed. So we think like the golden retrievers, the Labradors, the German Shepherds, Bernese Mountain Dogs and, and bigger. It's a huge problem in those dogs. And, and they actually make up most of the, the population of pets that we see. When I started this service, I thought, oh, we're going to be going to see cats all the time because cats don't like going to the clinic. And it's not. It You know, I would say oh, more than maybe 60, 70 percent of the pets that we ca get called out to see. And it's not just for in-home euthanasia that I'm talking about. It's it's to assess them and to help them with their mobility. They're They're all big, older dogs. It's so common. And so, it's arthritis. You nailed it. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, I've had dogs that have had, um, that I've rescued. And when I've rescued them, their legs have been hanging off or we've had to, you know, um, repair and pin and plate. And when you go through uh, a surgery like that, and, and I'm assuming it's going to be like most surgeries, you're more susceptible to arthritis in those joints. Yeah. Um, you know, it's no different than athletes. Dogs that run and jump a lot, I'm sure, are going to be more prone to arthritis in those joints. Is that correct? That's totally correct. And it's not just in those joints, because if you think about the way some of these surgeries will change the way these dogs actually put pressure on one side, it can actually force them to have problems on the other side because it's changed the normal dynamics of the way that they walk. So, yeah, definitely, you know, having a surgery at a younger age predisposes them later on in life. But you just have to look at your crazy dogs when they're young and, you know, the way they run and jump. And, you know, my six-year-old, she's going to be seven, 100-pound Bernese Mountain Dog races down the stairs and lands on her shoulders. Like, that's not good for her. And I know that, but... So, you know, she, she'll probably have issues as she gets older. But there are a lot of things that we can do to, to help them. I'm Sherry Davis, and today on How to Dog, we're talking about aging, how we can manage it best with our own pets. And right now, I'm speaking with Dr. Faith Banks, a veterinarian who specializes in geriatric pet care, who also makes house calls to treat older animals. Let our dogs get old and pass on. It's a fact of life. It's something that we all have to deal with when we own dogs. For me, I've had over 100 dogs, and each one that passes has taken a little piece of my heart. But are there things that we can do to help our dogs as they age? I put this question to Dr. Faith Banks. 
for sure there, there are things that we can do. Um, and so I think the number one thing is probably prevent them from being overweight. There was a study that was done years ago that limited the amount of food that Labradors were given. And um, the, the dogs that had that more limited diet, they lived an extra two years. And that's wow. a huge amount. Yeah, huge for, for a life of a dog. So certainly, you know, keeping them on the thinner side is better than them being on the more overweight side. And it's not just that the extra weight is more weight on their joints, but the studies that have been done actually show that fat itself is pro-inflammatory. So the fat on their bodies is actually causing more inflammation. You know, in the past, we always just used to think, oh, it's just extra weight, harder for their bones and joints to carry it. So we know that's not the case anymore. So I would say that, you know, keeping them at a healthy weight is definitely number one. And then number two, motion is lotion. Um, you got to keep them moving. And so, you know, one of the problems that I tend to see is in older pets, they like to sleep. And what do we do? We let them sleep. And, you know, it's a cold day and we don't really want to go out for that walk. And we look at our older dogs and we think, eh, they don't want to go either. And so we let them just sleep or we open the door to the backyard and out they go, they pee, they poop and in they come. You have to keep them moving. You have to keep those joints lubricated and you have to keep their muscles in fine form. The more they're sleeping and lying and, and not doing anything, they're, they're losing muscle mass. And if they don't have those muscles to keep them moving, then it's kind of a, a downhill from there. So um, a lot of the dogs, older dogs, um, I understand people are like, oh, you know, I can't. It's too cold and blah, blah, blah. But there are exercises they could do at home to keep sure. those dogs conditioned. They don't yep. necessarily have to go out and brave the elements or, you know, uh, um, I've had some clients that have said to me, Sherry, we can't take the dogs out because they get to the corner and they lay down and we have to call my husband to come and get them with the car and bring them back home. Right. Right. right? So, but there are exercises that mm -hmm. people can do at home with their dogs and keep their mind stimulated and keep their body stimulated and, and actually have fun with these older dogs. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you have a food motivated dog, then, you know, I often tell people to take away some of their, their breakfast or dinner and use that as their treats. But certainly doing things at home, you know, whether it's you go from a sit to a stand or stand to lying down or down to a sit. I mean, these are all, it sounds so simple and basic, but, but this, we're using their muscles and as you said, their brain and that tires them out, which is kind of nice. You know, there are things that we can do that are low impact and keeps them moving and, and still gives them that quality of life where they're, they're having fun with it. Right. Absolutely. And, and as you mentioned before, they're using their brains and, you know, this is something that I find with older pets. We don't really ask a lot of them anymore. Um, and, you know, we want them to still feel like they have a job. And so right. by, you know, making them work for their dinner sometimes, um, you know, I, I think that's a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. I like to take my older dogs and hide their food. 
Yeah. <laughs> and then I make Great. them go around and find because they actually have to move. So right. what I'll do is I'll take like little containers and I'll take their cup and a half of food and put it into like six different containers. And I'll tell you, I they, they learn very quick to <laughs> count containers. And they're like, oh, I know there's still one more left in this house somewhere. And, you know, off they go. And it's like now you're working for your food and, you right. know, you're you're actually mobile, you know, because, again, um, you know, I've got quite a few very old dogs. I have some that are in wheelchairs and, mm. you know, some that are uh, assisted walking harnesses and stuff. And but it comes down to quality of life. Yeah. You know, a lot of people will say, oh, like, uh, you know, isn't it time? And I think the dogs actually will tell you when it's time, you know? Well, I, I, I always struggle with this one. You know, I know that often people are told by their vet, go home, you'll know when it's time. And I, I think that that's a lot of pressure to put on a pet owner. I do think there are some people that are so in tune with their pet that, yes, you're right, they're going to know. But then I think there are others that probably struggle a little bit more. Um, and actually, one of the things that we do during our consultations um, with owners is we go through a quality of life scale. And so this is a scale that I put together about nine years ago when I started the practice. And we, all the veterinarians use this scale and, and it really provides for great conversation um, with the owner. And so I've actually just finally put it onto paper um, and it's available on my website now. So anybody can go and download it and you can see pretty much, you know, all the questions that we sort of go through with owners. And so there's 14 different categories and I talk about happiness and I talk about mobility issues and I talk about anxiety and I even talk about will to live. Um, and so there's 14 different categories. And so owners can now do this at home and it kind of gives them a much, much better idea of how their pet is doing, you know, within these categories that I think are really important when we are assessing quality of life. And, you know, I love the idea of somebody doing it. And if they score well, take that piece of paper, fold it up, put it away somewhere and, you know, pull it back out every once in a while, cover your numbers, do it again and see how things have changed because people get really used to the way their pet is. And, you know, you might be used to walking in and seeing your dog lying there in like a pile of dogs, whereas your friend might come over before COVID and say, hmm, you know, last time I came over, he like attacked me at the door and covered me with kisses. And now he's just lying there. Like, that's such a change. And you would say, oh, well, he's kind of been like this for a while. Like, you, you just kind of get used to the new normal that drops every once in a while. So having this scale is a really helpful tool for veterinarians and for owners to look at to just assess where their pet is and what do they need to do about it. So on that note, there's, of, of course, there's medicine. There's... Mm -hmm. There's all kinds of medicines. Um, you know, for for me, I've used Medicam in the in the past. I've used Gabapentin, and but you know, there's there's also the homeopathic. There's you know, glucosamine. Some people say glucosamine, and now you've got your dog food that adds glucosamine into the dog food. Is this something that you recommend, or like 
would this help if we're getting to an aging point or, you know, is it let's wait and use medicine that has been tested and proven true and this is the route that we should be going? I, I think some of the more natural products are fine to use, you know, as kind of a preventative way to, to manage your pet. And if, you know, the dog food has glucosamine, chondroitin in it, great. Um, but I think when you are getting to the point where, you know, there are obvious signs of pain and discomfort and changes in the way the dog is ambulating, moving around, um, I, I think you you know, with the help of your veterinarian have to reach for something that there's a little bit more science in for pets. And again, just because glucosamine, maybe they've done the, the tests and studies in people and have shown that it works, you know, dogs are not small people, furry people. And so we have to look at them as individuals. It, it's not usually something that, that we recommend because by the time um, clients are calling us, they've already sort of gone through that with their regular vet. And so, you know, we're still going to talk about medication, but probably something that's got a little bit more science behind it, like the drugs that you mentioned. And there's several others that we tend to use as well. And, and you know, besides medications, there are things that you can do around the house as well. So, you know, things like I walk into someone's house and I see hardwood floors and I think, oh, this is horrible for the dog. Lovely for you. Horrible for the dog. So, you know, I talk about putting either yoga mats down or carpet runners, things like that just allows the dog to get a little bit of grip. So when they're lying down, they can much more easily sort of dig their nails in and stand up instead of sort of splaying or sliding out. Raising food in water bowls, that makes a big difference because now the dog and cat even, uh, I know it's had a dog, but <laughs> I got to throw a cat in there as well. Absolutely. <laughs> um, you know, by raising their food in water bowls to about elbow level, it means they don't have to bend all the way down to the ground. We want to make their life a little easier. I mean, you know, I don't suggest that we bring them their food and water so they never have to leave their cozy little bed, which my chihuahua would love, by the way. Um, <laughs> she lies in a little heated, she lies on the heating pad all day long. If I brought her her food and water, she would be so happy. But I need her to move. I mean, there, there are a lot of things that we can do around the house as well to just help them move around a little better and more safely. That's that's great little tidbits of information there that people, you know, can do easily around their house to try and make the quality of life better for their animals. For um, sure. The one thing I I, I want to touch down on is a lot of people don't understand that that dogs can get multiple types of arthritis the same as humans can. Uh, am I correct in saying this? Well, we usually just refer to it as osteoarthritis, but they can get it in different joints. Okay. So with the arthritis, the symptoms are very similar to what we would experience. However, they're just in your dog. Is that fair to say? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, when you see, when you get, when I, I'm turning 50 in a couple of days and, you know, I get out of the bed and my feet hit the ground and I'm like, you know, and then after a few steps, I'm okay. Or if I'm sitting on the ground with my little guy and I have to get up, I have to kind of unfold my body. So I know what it feels like. And it's, it's what the dogs are dealing with as well. So when you see them sort of get out of their bed and give like a big stretch, and then, you know, the first few steps they take are very ginger, and then they kind of work out of it. That's the same sort of thing, but it progresses. And so, you know, it gets to a point where I see dogs sometimes that they're lying down and they can't get up. Their owners get them up, 
And once they're up, they can walk. And in fact, sometimes they can walk quite a bit, you know, go for a walk down the block. They've just lost the certain muscles that are needed to push themselves off the ground. Once they're up, they're good. Thank you so much, Dr. Faith Banks. Pleasure. I'm Laura Palmer, host of Island Crime. Season six, Sweethearts, is the story of three teenage girls who were all murdered in Victoria, Canada within about 12 months. So she was scared, something out there scared her. You've just created the playground where predators can really thrive. She was a 16 year old girl. She was a sweetheart. Listen to Sweethearts at FrequencyPodcastNetwork.com or wherever you get podcasts. Find your frequency. I had such an amazing conversation with Dr. Faith. She has so many amazing things to say about caring for older dogs. But it got me thinking about something we only touched on, homeopathic medicine. Things like acupuncture, chiropractic manipulation, and even CBD. These treatments are certainly controversial, but are they effective? We found someone who gave us another perspective. Now we're going to speak to Catherine Kramer. She's a veterinarian in Vancouver who specializes in holistic medicine for dogs. Like me, she's also a fan of using CBD for dogs. CBD, the non-psychoactive ingredient in cannabis, is used for inflammation, pain, among other canine conditions. I am so excited about today. Like, you have no idea. I'm like jumping for joy in my seat over here. Um... You know, there has been a lot of research uh, that I've been reading up for quite some time since this started, the cannabis with the pets and, you know, um, the different levels and different testing and all this kind of stuff that they've been doing. And I've seen and heard of some remarkable results. I'm just wondering if you could tell us what you would use it for. There are a lot of indications nowadays. First and foremost in Canada, I think it is important to say that this is still pretty experimental. And even though cannabis is is absolutely legal for people, um, it's not legal for pets yet. And as veterinarians, um, we've come a long way, but we're still not legally able to prescribe, dispense, um, but we have gotten to the point where we can talk about it with our clients and make some um, absolutely give advice on how to get a good product, what to use it for, how to use it. And right now in my practice, um, we're using it for a lot of different things. I think primarily pain would be the number one indication, things like arthritis, chronic pancreatitis, inflammatory bowel disease, um, pain associated with cancer. Um, We are also using it for a lot of um, seizure disorders, very helpful with that. Um, Anxiety is another big indication. And even things uh, like skin allergies, skin disease, um, you know, the more we find out about this amazing plant, um, yeah, the more indications we find to use it. Is there a reason why it hasn't been approved for use? When when humans are using it and, um, you know, you can actually go online and purchase it. You can go to 
uh, here in Ontario, you can go to a dispensary and get dog cookies and, um, you know, the CBD oils for the dogs and the drops for the dogs. So I, I, I honestly, I guess I've been breaking the law because I, I thought it was legal. <laughs> well, you and a lot of other people, um, it's, it's, it's basically like any herbal medication, but um, it's, it, yeah, there has been a lot of bad press, um, you know, going back to the turn of, of the last century with um, prohibition. And, you know, we've come a long way, but there's still, you know, still a lot of research to be done, especially in companion animals. Hi, I'm Sherry Davis, Canada's Dog Master, and you're listening to How to Dog, where you can call in and ask your canine questions and we will get you an answer. The pain meds have quite a few side effects and and you're basically playing with some of these meds to try and figure out what's good for the dog, what's not good for the dog. And, and the one thing that I personally have found is I haven't really had any side effects from using the CBD with the dogs. <laughs> yeah, I, I absolutely would agree with that. They do have serious side effects and a lot of patients can't tolerate those so that is absolutely a great place for something like cbd or you know glucosamine turmeric i mean there are lots of other herbs out there that can have anti-inflammatory effects um but something if you can use something herbal or natural uh, for long-term use i think it absolutely the risk of side effects are, are much lower it's not to say that there aren't any because we have had a few patients that for whatever reason don't do well with with cbd or cannabis products so it it is very much the patient's an individual and the body's going to do and respond how it wants to but it is nice to have options that is amazing. Dr. Katherine Kramer, thank you so very much. Oh, it was quite a pleasure. Thank you. Dr. Katherine Kramer is a veterinarian in Vancouver who specializes in holistic medicine for animals. There's so much more we can explore and talk about when it comes to our aging dogs, but there's only so much time we can fit in a podcast. This was such a fascinating conversation. I can't wait to revisit this. So please make sure you subscribe to How To Dog in your favorite podcast app so you don't miss an episode. In the meantime, don't forget to give us a good review and please call us at 1-833-HOW-TO-DOG with your burning canine questions, just like this one, which we're going to tackle on our next episode. Hi, my name is Jacqueline Mackey. I would like to know why my dog turns his nose up at his good kibble with human meat added and goes outside and eats raccoon poo or weeds. How to Dog is hosted by Sherry Davis. Produced by Davin Langell and Carrie Hayden. Editing and mixing by Adam Killick. How to Dog is a Shaftesbury podcast and part of the Frequency Podcast Network. You can find more great shows at FrequencyPodcastNetwork.com. Copyright 2021 Shaftesbury. Shaftesbury.